Hello, everybody. You are listening to No Free Rides, and I am Tiffany Carlson, your host. This podcast is podcast 105, and today's guest is Josh Winkler and Josh Winkler's epic fight against the system. Uh, and this podcast is bo- brought to you by Easy Stand, makers of some of the best standing frames in the entire world. Check them out at easystand.com. So, um, today is May 16th, 2014, and I'm pretty dang excited to bring Josh Winkler's story to all of you out there in internet land. Um, Josh was paralyzed a while ago, um, 1998, and that's quite a while ago, and you know, he was 17 at the time, and a lot has happened to him since then. He's become an engineer. And he's had uh, quite the interesting story of getting back to work and unfortunately not getting back to work because of things that can happen to your insurance when you do so. Uh, And as we all know, when you're a quadriplegic, having your health insurance is, well, it's the most important thing. If you don't have your caregivers, well, you can't be independent and live on your own. So Josh Winkler has a fascinating story of one man's desire to not only overcome paralysis, but to find financial freedom, but when he was so close to doing so, something terrible happened. And and if you listen in, you'll tune in, you'll see what that was. And it's it's, at the end of the day, just... change that needs to happen, not only in in Colorado where he lives, but really across this country. Uh, States need to make it easier for people with disabilities to be able to work and still receive the health care that they, well, they need to live independently. You know, oftentimes you can't afford to pay for both all your life expenses and then uh, all the health care expenses on top of that. Uh, with a regular nine-to-five job, that kind of uh, needs in life require a huge pocket full of money. And, well, as we all know, most of us don't have that. So he has a a story to share that I think everybody with an acquired disability should should listen to. It's It's fascinating to hear how a man, you know, paralyzed such a long time ago, has found himself and it's not been easy you know finding your your purpose in life uh, when you're paralyzed I know personally that's been difficult for me and Josh has certainly found his purpose and while he's currently struggling right now with some health issues that is not holding him back at all he is one of the strongest people we've ever had on this show and it's a pleasure to bring his story to all of you listening. So uh, please uh, stay tuned, and he will be joining uh, the podcast in a few minutes. But first, everybody, um, I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I did a really cool thing about last weekend, about a week ago. Last Saturday, I gave my very first speech on dating online with a disability, and I gave it via Skype, and it was for the WIND conference in South Carolina, which is a spinal cord injury conference in the uh, Charleston area uh, to bring people with spinal cord injuries together to become more educated about all their options in life. 
and they chose me to be one of their speakers and since I live in Minneapolis and they certainly did not have the budget to fly me there we decided to make a great compromise and I gave my speech on Skype and oh man was it fun I really enjoyed it I want to do it again so if you or know someone out there, an organization that would appreciate a speaker specializing in disability dating, uh, let me know. I would be happy to speak whenever, wherever on this very fun subject. It's very exciting too. It's such a great, great thing meeting someone. Um, so yeah, you know, and it was very fun giving the speech over Skype because I got a lot of questions from the audience at the end of, of the speech, and uh, uh, some of them were, were really good questions. One man in particular, he asked me, Tiffany, how do I get out of friend zone? When a woman wants to make me a friend, what do I do? And that's not an easy question to answer, and I told him, well, your best bet is to stay steadfast as her friend, to show her that you are there when she needs you. And maybe if she changes her tune towards you, that would be your best bet. It's just be a great friend. But as we all know, women rarely change their tune when it comes to whether they're not, whether or not, sorry, they like a guy. And so uh, it's tricky. So something to keep in mind. Uh, but online dating seminar, it was very fun. And if you have any questions, remember about your own personal dating life when it comes to dating. I would be more than happy to help send your questions to tiffanycarlson at gmail.com. That's T-I-F-F-I-N-Y Carlson at gmail.com. And also, one more thing before we bring Josh Winkler on the show is um, long-term use of our joints and then the joints kind of falling apart. And I have been having an ongoing issue with my shoulder for the last nine months or so and I just got another MRI a couple weeks ago, which came back negative, negative rather, of my neck. They were worried about fluid on the spinal cord, but they still have no idea what is wrong with my shoulder. I have weakened muscles. When I try to pick up things, I can feel the muscle in my arm, just not as strong. It still listens to me, thank you Jesus, but it's not as strong, and, and doctors and my therapists are all perplexed. Uh, they thought it was bursitis, but that was ruled out. So if you out there listening have experienced something like this and have an idea of what it could be, I would love, 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 love to hear from you. So please as well email me, tiffanycarlson at gmail.com. So everybody, um, that's what's been going on in my world. I hope your world is uh, just as uh, fabulous. Uh, make it work as Tim Gunn says, and you know, don't let that disability hold you back. That's, that's, that's the key, right? So hold on tight. We're going to get Josh ready to go and he'll be joining us in just a second. Hey everybody, this is Tiffany Carlson, and as I mentioned earlier, we have Josh Winkler joining us. He is a resident of Denver, Colorado. He's a C56 quadriplegic, and he's, you know, he has, wears many different hats. He's an advocate, he's an inventor, and um, he's also an engineer. So without further ado, hello Josh, and welcome to the show. 
Hey, Tiffany, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, um, I've kind of known you for a while um, online, and I don't know, probably met you a couple years ago, maybe it was more than that, but I always love finally talking with people that I've known online and finally over the phone, so super cool finally speaking with you. Um, so um, why don't you kind of tell tell us, you know, your, 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 where you kind of, how you became a quad and, and how you ended up in Denver? Yeah. One year and it'll be half my life paralyzed. So. Wow. Uh, it was back in 1998 that I uh, broke my neck. I was having an old 79 CJ5 Jeep and uh, did a lot of stupid things in it. I used to dirt bike, did a lot of stupid things on my dirt bike, but um, I actually had an accident just driving down a stretch of two lane blacktop mm. um, out in the country and I uh, don't, don't remember the accident at all. Like I half my day that day, I don't remember at all. Oh my gosh! Uh, but anyway, I rolled the jeep about five times, and I was tall enough that my head was taller than the distance between the seat and the roll bar. Mm. Um, so as I rolled, my head was just slightly smacking off the the asphalt each roll. Wow! And not bad enough that it really banged up my head too bad, but bad enough that it crushed my neck. Wow. And um, it took a lot of, you know, a lot of like just road rash on my head, so I got real lucky that it didn't didn't hit any harder than it did. Um, wow. and, and I know exactly how lucky I was. My uh, good friend of mine was in the passenger seat, yeah. and his seatbelt broke up in the last roll, and he was ejected and ended up dying from head injuries. Wow. So it was it was way too close um, for comfort. You know, I realized how close you were. Wow. I did not make it at all. Wow. So that's when I was back in Pennsylvania, that's where I'm from, wow. and went to the local hospital there. Um, actually, they had to flip a coin to figure out whether I was getting a helicopter or my buddy was getting a helicopter, oh. and he had enough signs of life at the scene to get the helicopter, and I got the ambulance, and my mom and sister actually beat the hospital to the uh, beat the ambulance to the hospital. Oh my gosh. It was about a 40-minute drive away, and... Uh, they were driving so fast, they beat the ambulance there. Uh, but, but yeah, so I bounced back in Pennsylvania, and there wow. really wasn't much, okay. much back there. Um, really? the, the nurses and um, family, I have a, my dad's cousin is a quad, got her back in the 70s. Okay. And one of the nurses in ICU had an ex-husband who was a quad. Oh. And they both just kept saying, you need good rehab, you need good rehab. Well, right. And we didn't, we didn't know what good rehab was. Uh, we, you know, you, you hear about rehab, but mm -hmm. getting rehab is they get a new knee or something. Well, right. I didn't, I didn't know what rehab was, and so that was the next question. Well, what's good rehab, and where do we get it? <laughs> and we got several recommendations of hospitals around the country, and ended up picking Craig out on all the recommendations we had. And so I flew out to Craig Hospital in Englewood, Colorado, to do my rehab. Awesome. And that, that was my introduction to Colorado. Mm. Um, was my three and a half months at Craig. And at that time, I was only 17, and I started mm. finish high school. So oh, yeah. I flew back to Pennsylvania and um, finished my senior year back there. And I knew that I had to do something after high school. Um, I, my plan had been to be a mechanic. 
And when you lose the use of your hands, that's kind of out the window. Yeah. So I started, you know, okay, well, what else am I going to do? Well, I don't really know, but I know I need a college degree in order to get a job. Like, it's going to take a college degree. And meanwhile, Bill, he had an article, yeah, I like December. Yeah. Um, about the top 10 um, disability friendly campuses, college campuses, mm-hmm. um, as rated by readers. Cool. And I went through the list, and number three was actually Enroe University in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is like an hour from where I grew up. Yeah. That was just too close to home. That wasn't an option. <laughs> Berkeley was like number seven, I think, and that was a strong consideration. I'd been to the Bay Area. I really liked the Bay Area, but I pushed the manual chair at the time. Yeah. Because I was, you know, I was manly, and I was going to push that manual chair no matter how hard it was. <laughs> and that uh, CU Denver was actually number six on the list. Mm. And so I came out and did a reevaluation at Craig after six months out of the hospital. And just kind of got to check up to make sure everything was going okay. Yeah. And used that as an excuse to come out and check out the campus. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like Denver. It's a nice area. It's real accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very accessible transportation system. Yep. So that became the only college I applied to. And uh, lucky, uh, lucky enough, I got accepted. Cool. Came out, again, just planning to go to college. And then I'd figure out life from there. And mm-hmm. um, it just kind of fell into place as I finished college. I fell into a, a dream job here in, in well, at the time, what it was my dream job mm-hmm. uh, in Denver. I decided I wanted to work for an NASCAR team, and mm-hmm. uh, well, as I was going to school, I decided engineering would be the path I'd go down. And I yeah, got my degree in mechanical engineering, and figured I'd move to North Carolina and get a job with a NASCAR team. And what mm-hmm. had it that um, a NASCAR team started in Denver my senior year of college, oh. and so I was. I, I have some connections from helping out people at the, at the local show track, and I uh, was able to get on with them and work for almost four and a half years. What did you do uh, exactly for them? That team. What kind of work did you do as an engineer for NASCAR? It was a really small team when I was there, so everybody kind of did a little of everything. Okay. Um, it, and that's kind of what got... Where, where it kind of lost its dream after a while is it, at the beginning it was great because none of us really knew what we were doing. It was all of our first time working on a NASCAR team mm-hmm. other than the crew chief and a couple other guys on the team. We were all local people. We weren't guys who had worked on other teams coming in with our preconceived ideas. Right. So we got to have a lot of fun. And my, my primary role at the beginning was testing. And mm-hmm. we had we had a brand new driver at the time too. He was a local driver, and so we were going around the country testing, trying to get him up to speed, get the cars up to speed, uh-huh. to just be able to make it in a race, to just qualify for races. So we were we were bounced all over the country, um, wow. and you know, a lot of short tracks and stuff, uh, testing the cars, and Fine. I was learning all about the data acquisition as I went, and I, yeah, I was kind of learning as I went. Um, how to work on a team and by the end we'd gotten kind of big and had tired of a well-known driver and had gotten a lot better cars and had gone from like 20 guys to like 67 guys 
and then the economy tanked, and mm-hmm. they cut half the team just oh. across the board. Half of every department got laid off. Oh, Sam. At the time, it was it was lucky. I, I felt lucky that I got laid off because I was kind of getting burned out on it. Really? The hours were getting harder. The travel was getting really hard yeah. on me. I was going to ask you that. How do you travel it alone? Do you do all your own stuff on your own? What? Again, the team treated me great. Like, I have to say, from day one, they treated me awesome. And we originally, we always split around the private jet, which nice. spoiled me for life. Uh, because we just go to the airport, roll it through the um, hangar, get on wow. the plane, and leave. Nice. Um, but they had to switch to commercial just again, and they're cutting back, trying to save money. Ugh. And so for testing, we fly commercial. But they would pay for an attendant to go with me. Nice. Um, they didn't pay the attendant, but they would pay all their travel expenses. That is so cool. We're very lucky. And, yeah, it turns out it's really easy to find people that are NASCAR fans who are also do some healthcare stuff. Nice. <laughs> are more than willing to go with you to get you know behind the scenes view. Wow. Uh, and so I had a couple of people that worked for me that would um, just travel with me. And uh, the, the main guy was actually uh, an EMT firefighter that worked. They had like, they got up to 48 hours on and then like eight days off. Wow. And so he could always tweak his schedule mm-hmm. so he could get the time off for whenever we would test. Cool. And so it worked out really good for both of us. And he was having a great time. And the team actually ended up hiring him. And they'd pay him $15 an hour just to kind of run around and do whatever anybody needed at the track. <laughs> That's if awesome. they needed food, if they needed a tire change, if they needed to run and grab a tool out of the truck. Like he was kind of the gopher at the track and awesome. helped me out at night and in the morning um, at the hotel. So, yeah, it really worked out. Really worked out well, and they, as far as an employer goes, they, they really did treat me well. They didn't, they, they never, my disability was never a problem for the team. That is like great. They, they were all great about it. So when you were going through rehab, you know, we'll back up, like when you first went to Craig and stuff, everyone always talks about how fabulous it is. Is it, was it, you think, worth going to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to. I right. obviously didn't go through other rehabs, so I don't really know. Right, I suppose, yeah. The, what sold me on Craig and sold my family on Craig was their single focus, and it really is a dual focus, but they, they do probably 70% spinal cord injuries and only like 30% brain injuries, okay. and that's all they do. Wow. They don't do the hip recoveries. They don't do... Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, and, and so that, that's the only doubt. 
the years, my my only complaint as time's gone on with them mm-hmm. is, and I think it's just because the way medicine has gone, mm-hmm. they've become more of a hospital and less of a rehab. Oh. When I was there, it was like family. Like we would go out at night after the um, the nurse or your tech got off work. Mm-hmm. You got to have a bite to eat with them. Like you'd hang out with them outside of their job. That's awesome. And now that's strictly off limits. Like, there's, I heard there's a rule with now. It's like a year after somebody leaves the hospital before they're allowed to be friends with you. Are you kidding? That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, they, they went for magnet status, which is some hospital certification, which again, really medicalized things. That's too bad. That's um, too bad. Oh, really? And if they needed help, like one of the, you know, if, if they needed help to transfer somebody, they just hit the button and announced the entire floor. You know, I need transfer assistance in room mm-hmm. 317. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you'd hear enough over that intercom that you pretty much knew what was going on with everybody on the floor. <laughs> like, there were only 20 patients, I think, on the floor, so mm-hmm. you knew what was going on with everybody all the time. Okay. And just, Legality-wise, they've had to tighten up their rules, so that's ended. Um, it, it's just it's it's become a hospital, oh, and, and that to me is a bad thing. Well, um, that's what I really liked about it was that it wasn't. But they've also had the opportunity. They're, they're doing a huge construction project right now. Oh yeah. And one of the areas they're expanding greatly is their post rehab facilities. Oh, what's what are they? Awesome. It's almost like a gym, like you know, like twenty-four hour fitness. But instead, oh. you belong at the Craig Gym. That's so and nice. Wow. Well, it comes with PTs and OTs and, and PTAs and stuff. They can help transfer you on and off the equipment, and mm. the equipment's all like set up to be used by people with you know, various degrees of function. Wow. Uh, Well, if they have a steam room with, like, eucalyptus in the air, I'm sold. Yeah, I don't know if they've gone that far, but <laughs> the pictures all look really cool. That's and awesome. They're all just, like, sketches. Um, I haven't actually seen. I don't think they've finished that part of the edition yet, so right now it's all just a concept. But, yeah, it, it, it might turn into that much of a spot. I mean, massages are part of it. Oh, it's so and nice. I actually think... I'm trying to remember what, if it was you or if I met uh, Mark Bowman that I said to you about mm. my friend Shanda Hinton. Yeah. Um, she does uh, an alternative therapy thing out here. I know, I know her. Chanda's awesome, the yoga girl. She's also a C56 quad, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and she's real big on that long term, like you still, there's, there's always more you can gain. And it's not necessarily about you know, regaining function or walking again or anything like that. It's just not wearing out your joints, not overusing your muscles. 
love it. Keeping relaxed, keeping stretched. Yep. Reducing pain without narcotics. Love it. Um, and so she's tightly tied with that Craig um, outpatient program. I know her foundation mm-hmm. actually uh, sponsors a lot of people's memberships to that. Yeah, that is so great. She's got another gym at her facility. It doesn't have all of the equipment that they have at the Craig facility. Wow, I just love the pool that they have. They're, uh, they're building a pool. Like, that's pretty cool. See, and I'll, maybe I'm the weird one. My, my dad, when I was in rehab, he thought that the pool would be the best thing for me. <laughs> and they, it, it, was, it was a small pool that they used for inpatient at that time. Yeah. And they kept the water at, like, 85, 90 degrees. Like, it was a little cooler than a hot tub was. <laughs> nice. And it was still really warm. I love, I and love that. I got in it twice. In the three and a half months I was in rehab, I got in that pool twice, and I hated it. Why? I absolutely hated it. I, I used to swim a lot when I was a kid. We yeah. had our own swimming pool in our backyard, so I was really spoiled, and I used to swim all the time. Mm-hmm. And I felt so out of control in the pool. Oh, I know. Like, I they had like a light jacket on me and like six of those noodles wrapped around me mm-hmm. and it still took a PT to hold me from sinking. Well, I hate that. When they make you lay on your back and you float in the pool, like that's a stupid way to go in the pool. I just like hot tubs and sitting on a bench. That's yeah, all I see, and, and, and if I could just sat there, so it might have been better, but they, they were trying to like get you to move around and Ugh, stuff. And I at hate the time, that. I could, when the first time I got in, I don't think I could lift my hand to my face yet. Oh, that's scary. Well, I don't like the pool as much as I like the hot tub. I, I, I kind of like w- different whirlpools, like into sitting and sitting. I don't like to go on my back because I can't swim either. And I used to, yeah. and I used to love to swim too. And I hated that feeling because I'm like, oh my god, I can't swim at all, and it's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, you're you're enough out of control, you know. Especially when you're a new injury, you're <laughs> already struggling enough with not being able to do things. Yep. I know, I know. It's not, not a pleasant feeling at all. No, and it's not. The people that really enjoyed the pool when I was there were the incomplete injuries. Yeah, yeah. It, that was where they could actually bear a little weight on their legs yeah. and actually take some small steps. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm complete. I've been complete since day one. Like, if nothing's changed, I have the same, yep. same lack of feeling I did 15 years ago. Do you have a was your spinal cord torn 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 completely? No, the way they said it was that it shattered in, mm. and that it just was all these bone fragments went into the spinal cord. Okay, because um, it was actually from the force down on my head that oh. crushed C five. Oh, and evidently that's like you know the the bad part of. Evolution is human spinal cord, uh, or you know, human spine. C five is the one that bursts when you get pressure on the top of your head. Yeah, that's what I I was told that too. Yeah. Yeah, it bursts in, not out. Like, however, the vertebrae lay against each other or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, it makes it go in, and so yeah, it was. It wasn't like a complete. Okay. Like 
severing, but it was really chopped up. Do you have any feeling or sensation at all below your level of injury? I have neuro pain, if that counts. Oh, that sucks. Um, no. not, not terrible neuro pain. It's controlled with neurotin, but mm. I, I have, like, my left leg feels like it's asleep all the time. Okay. And I can tell you, you're touching my left leg between the knee and the ankle. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you whether it's the front or the back, the left or the right. Or the, you know, I can just tell you, somewhere on my left lower leg, you're mm-hmm. touching. That's crazy. And once it's been touched or one, you know, like if I get my shoe on in the morning, mm-hmm. like that jiggling around in my foot will be enough that I couldn't tell you again for probably two hours until like the nerves calm back down in that leg. Right, right. Because they're just kind of like all on pins and needles. So, I mean, it's not that I have no feeling, um, but like the surgery that I was just down for, mm-hmm. I didn't even do a anesthesia for it. Right. I, I was fully conscious wow. for, for the surgery, um, I, which is a, an odd sensation in itself. That's just crazy. Knowing that there's somebody like with a scalpel and where um, was the surgery? Got it and ground out the bone, and you could hear the bone being ground down. And what? Where? What? Alert for all that. That was your uh, surgery, a flap surgery. Mm-hmm. And 
sure enough, there was a fluid pocket that developed under the skin. Oh, jeez. So, second, like the second week of January, I had to go in and have that repaired. You and thing. it was down for another three weeks, but everything was going to be good, and I could get back up in my chair. And first day I get up, the incision line opened up, like two inches, the incision just popped wide open. Oh, my God. And so that put me back in bed. And, and again, they thought, okay, like it's, that happens sometimes, like it must not heal right, right there, but you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, just two weeks, it should heal up. Well, that was on February 4th, and I'm still in bed now. Wow, um, wow. Do you have custom seating on your wheelchair? Not I, I use a J two D contour cushion. Okay. Um, the one the, when I had the issue back in two thousand eight, they actually blamed it at that time on the, the fact that I was on like a four year old cushion because I mm-hmm. it seemed to be the same to me. I didn't notice that over time the gel had gotten a lot. I have something similar to that where they take a mold of your butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My first power chair had one, and 
you know, that was the first thing to break. Yeah. And I just, I don't want things that break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, on, I, I'm actually still using a 2002 uh, Indicator Ranger because oh. the, the electronics, the old Mark IV electronics are like awesome. Like you, you can't break those things. Right. And if you do, I bought other chairs and acquired other people's used chairs. I have a big old toad out in my shed full of power chair parts. Mm. If I need a new computer module, I just get one of my buddies to pull the one off my chair and swab on a new one. And so I do break things. I have spare parts where when you get a new chair, you, you have to start collecting those spare parts again. And right. So yeah, I'm, I'm in an old, probably what most people would mm-hmm. consider a worn out power chair, but yeah. it still works. So That's cool. And um, even in the doctor, when I went in for this latest skin surgery, mm-hmm. the, the surgeon, um, you, you know you've been seeing the same doctors too long. Mm-hmm. When, I, when, when the problem happened, I saw my, my regular doc, which I'm really lucky I have a doctor that comes to my house. Mm-hmm. Scheduling sometimes a nightmare, but they, they come to my house. That's great. And so it saves me from going in. And like right now where I'm laid up in bed, it saves me a hassle of getting to the doctor, but also saves Medicaid $1,000 in transportation fees to take me in an ambulance right. to and from the hospital because I'm not allowed to bend my head. Mm. So I'm perfectly flat. Wow. And so yeah, my doctor came to my house is a huge um, asset for me. But yes, yeah, so my nurse practitioner, I guess it came out and I showed her pictures all from that morning. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, you need to go into the ER and get that checked out. They, they probably need to train that there's something in there mm-hmm. that doesn't look good. And so I did, I went into the ER and they drained it, took a sample of the fluid that came out and um, said, you know, you needed to follow up with either your skin surgeon or your regular general practitioner. Right. Like, you need to follow up with this. And so I followed up with my infectious disease doc because I was pretty sure it was an infection. Yeah. And she had an MRI done of my, my like, hip area. And um, then she got it, and she, her husband happens to be a bariatric surgeon. Mm-hmm. And she took it to him, and she's like, hey, so I ordered this MRI because I know that's what you do to check for a bone infection. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know how to read an MRI. That's just a disease doctor. And her husband's like, oh, yeah, I'm like that's bad. He needs to go see Dr. Sively, which is like the wound care doc out here. Okay. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you need Sively surgery. Yeah, call Sively get a book for surgery. Mm-hmm. And so before I ever even, the first time I saw the, the skin surgeon in the last five years, is in pre-op. <laughs> he comes into pre-op and he's like, so, you know, looking at the MRI, you know, definitely goes down to the bone. And um, he's like, you know, I, I obviously don't know what it looks like on the surface. So I can't tell you. Uh-huh. I can't even give you an idea of how bad I think it is. All I know right now is that it goes to the bone. Wow. And I'll let you know when we get to the OR. And I said, okay, well, I don't feel it. You have to give me any, any anesthesia because I really hate recovering from anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, if you don't feel it, I'm fine doing the surgery. It's conscious. You know, if you have any problems, just let the anesthesiologist know. He'll still be in the room and right. give you some Valium or something. Cool. And, yeah, like perfect works for me. <laughs> so like, during the surgery, he was able to like, you know, keep telling me what he was doing and what he was seeing and 
For you. That's a lot of problems to deal with all those years. That's crazy. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just think that it's nothing. I, to back the story up, you know, thirty years ago, I was actually born with a congenital birth defect in my leg, mm. and so I, by the time I was walking, I'd had a dozen surgeries, mm. and I mean, I've had my leg lengthened, I've had my foot lengthened, wow. I've had like my foot like completely rebuilt it. Like really? The right foot is not anywhere near a normal foot. Wow. I, mean, I actually, after after having it lengthened, I wore a size 5 kid shoe on my right and a size 13 adult on Weird. my left. Weird. That's crazy. So. so, yeah, there's, so, so my life has kind of been surgeries. Like, uh, the hospital and surgery is not an unfamiliar territory for me. So, and, when, was the uh, when was the last time you've been up in your wheelchair? So what? What? What's the first thing you want to do once you get it back up in your chair? Well, there's the first day is fifteen minutes. Three, I'm able to get up three times a day, but only fifteen minutes each time. Oh, so good. Like that day, it's really I probably go outside, take a breath of fresh air, roll back in, get into bed. Oh, jeez, um, yeah. What I'm really looking forward to is a shower. Oh yeah. How are you staying sane? Um, what I know you, I mentioned, I saw that you were saying that you watch a lot of TV series. Yeah, I and I don't normally watch much TV. I, I've I've gone through the Netflix queue now quite a bit. I've I've <laughs> watched the beginning of end of all the seasons of Trailer Park Boys plus both movies. Wow. Um, I've done Weeds. I've done Breaking Bad. Mm. I've rewatched almost every MythBusters, almost every Top Gear. Wow. Uh, a lot of movies. Uh, it turns out there's a lot of bad movies on Netflix. Have you watched? Terrible. But do you know how to? You have all this time on your hands, you, you go ahead and watch them anyway. Are you streaming illegal movies? Okay, well, if you're not, and I can always show you how to do it, but um, if you haven't watched Dexter, have you watched Dexter? Dexter's one that I've never actually seen. That's, I've had several people recommend that. That one. would suck your time up pretty quick, because that one's really, it gets you really involved. It, it's, it's a good one. 
Yeah. And I, I keep hoping, like, originally it was like, I'm not going to get involved in anything that's, that I really care about. That's how Trailer Park Boys started. Okay. Trailer Park Boys, you, you could jump in and out, and they were funny episodes, and you didn't need to, like, follow along, like, True. Breaking Bad or Weeds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't think I was going to be down that long, so I wasn't going to get that involved with any TV stuff. And... The longer I've been down, the more I've been like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and try another one. Like, you know, <laughs> and I keep hoping that I won't make it to the end of the series. Oh, I started and be able to stop because I got out of bed and then I could like, well, you know, I never finished after season two because I finally got out of bed. <laughs> and I was, our Colorado's legislative section only runs from January until uh, the second week, or first or second week of April. Oh, no, um, that's short. And so that kept me occupied for the you know, until like a few weeks ago. And um, you, 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 share with us why, because you're an advocate, right? Yeah, so I, I, I think we all become advocates, mm-hmm. at least for our own stuff, mm-hmm. uh, because the system's really messed up and they screw with our lives a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it or not, most of us end up needing to use at least some government services, um, yep. you know, especially those of us who rely on home health care. Yep. Uh, I I can't transfer myself while I have enough shoulder muscle to like, lift my butt off my cushion. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough to like slide sideways. Mm-hmm. And it's not for lack of trying. I've Every, every mm-hmm. couple of years, I'll get it back in my head that I'm going to be able to transfer. <laughs> I get out the transfer board and every night with my aid, I'll try doing more and more of the transfer. And yeah. I, I can't. I always, after a month or two, I give up on trying. It's hard about those triceps. Later, I'll get that in me again. I can do it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I could just put myself to bed. Like, just the convenience of being <sighs> able to put myself in bed. I know. Um, I know. I have a bedtime at night. Like, yeah. Great. And, I, and I have aides that are really good at working with me. And if I want to go out or something, or they want to go out, I'll stay up later if they're going out, or if I'm going out, then yep. they'll stay up later and throw me in bed later. Like they, they really work with me. But it's still, it'd be nice to just be able to go to bed whenever I want. If I just want to go to bed at 9 o'clock one night instead of 10 o'clock, or 11 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. It's hard. It's and, hard without those triceps, though. I've tried my, myself. Yeah, and, and I, on my left side, I have just a, I mean, a tiny, tiny smidge of tricep, and my right side, I have none. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only way I get away with, without needing a reclining chair is that I can lock my elbows and use my shoulders to lift. Nice. But it, that doesn't help me at all. As soon as you try, like, moving sideways, no. one of your two elbows has to come unlocked. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it totally kills my, my movement. And I'm rotted from T4 to L5. Oh, wow. Yeah. Inflated from C3 to C6. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty, like, stiff. I have very little of my spine actually bends. <laughs> and so when I flop forward, I can't push myself back up off my lap. Wow. So Dude. that's usually where I ended up, like, quitting is I flop in my lap. I'm stuck there. I can't get back up. Yeah. Like, my... my, my my awesome service dog comes over and you know, licks my face like, ha ha, get down here now, you can't do anything. Uh, what about getting tendon transfer surgery? Do you think that would help? I, I know people that have done it, and I, I know people that swear by it that they say it's made all the difference. Like, I know a guy out here that he's had it done on his um, hands, so, like, 
some of his wrist function got converted to thumb function. Weird. And he had uh, some done on his biceps for triceps. Okay. And he's fully independent now. Really? He's five, six quad, but he is incomplete. And I question how much that was just mm-hmm. the number of years post injury and how much he regained. Oh, yeah. How much gain from the tendon transfer alone. Yeah, that's a um, really good question. Yeah, because I've known other people have done the tendon transfer mm-hmm. and their hands don't work as good as mine do. No, yeah. yeah they, they say it, it helped them a lot, but my hands, I, I have really good tenodesis for it. Yep, yep, and me too. So I don't know that I'd really gain much, and, and I mean, I've talked to the doctors about it. Mm-hmm. It's I just never been able to quite commit to Frankenstein in my body that much. Yeah, I know. So you already had a disability before your injury, even. And I never really considered it a disability because it was a gippy leg. It wasn't like it really. I just couldn't run or jump. That's um, a tactic. I mean, I motocross. Yeah. But yeah. In a motocross, both the foot was contained. The leather was stiff enough that the ankle didn't flex. The foot didn't flex. Mm. It, it was. It was like the running motion and the jumping motion. For whatever reason, those caused a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And that actually, I mean, it took tobacco to where the advocacy started. That's where my advocacy started. Really? I went to a small school. I graduated with 32 people. <laughs> and when I had my leg length when I was 10 years old, I got fat. <sighs> I wasn't allowed to go to school for that year. I was home tutored. And I sat around and I ate. Mm-hmm. And I weighed 150 pounds at 10 years oh old. Oh, my gosh. And when I went back to school, my mom's like, you know, he needs a modified gym program. And they're like, nope, you would just get him a note from his doctor that says no physical education. And she's like, no, he has to have physical education. It's required by law. Yep. And you're going to give it to him. Good. And the fight started pre-ADA. Wow. Um, like the ADA was actually coming about right around the, the time my mom was in this massive fight with the school and the school board. And my, my favorite line from her was she was at a school board meeting and was having a regular fight with them over my physical education. And they said, you know, she said, yeah, you're required to do this uh, based on the Rehabilitation Act of 19, uh, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Mm. And the president of the school board said, ma'am, this is Climber, New York. That law doesn't apply here. Oh, my gosh. And she reached behind her and pulled out her folder and slapped it on the desk. They said, according to the Department of Justice, yes, it does. I filed a formal complaint. Wow. And she had gone through the whole process. I mean, this is pre-internet where, like, getting information was hard. Right. And, um, yeah, she filed a 504 complaint with the Department of Justice. And 
I, I got physical education. That's um, great. I, Go I mom. I the gym program. And um, throughout the rest of high school, I had the med gym program. And so that kind of early on, I got that. Like, you know, my mom had to fight for my rights. Like your mom was like and, Sally Field and Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after I got hurt, it was that I was, you know, the first beginning was pretty easy. Like, I... I got hurt, I got well on social security, no problem. But I was seventeen, so I didn't get Medicaid. My parents income excluded me from Medicaid. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I turned eighteen I got on Medicaid um, back home, everything was good. It worked out well, moved out to Colorado again, Medicaid all worked out fine. Well then I had this crazy idea that I wanted a job and that was the beginning of where things started falling apart. Right. And my first roommate when I moved out here was very active in ADAPT. And so I got to know a lot of the people in uh, Denver ADAPT. Okay. And, and what, does so, ADAPT, what does ADAPT stand for? So originally ADAPT stood for American Disabled for Accessible Public Transportation. All right. Thank you. And ADAPT actually started in Denver um, in 1978. Okay. Um, the, uh, they called the Gang of 19. Mm-hmm. 19 people with disabilities chained themselves to buses awesome. at Broadway and Colfax, which is like the main intersection in downtown Denver, wow. like right across from the Capitol. All the, like, all the buses come through there. And for like 48 hours, 24, 48 hours, they held the intersection. Wow. Nobody knew what to do. Like the only thing close to it at the time, which was a little easier to contain, was when uh, the activists held the, uh, I can't remember the name of the building, but they held a building in Berkeley, California for mm-hmm. like 20 days or something. Um, wow. To, with the, cause the, the, the Rehab Act of 1973 wasn't released, and it, it, it wasn't signed into law until 1974. Okay. And it was basically, it, it had been, you know, approved by Congress for a year, and then the president had refused to sign it into law. And a group of activists in Berkeley said, we've had enough. And they held a building for like a, a government building in Berkeley, California for like 20-some days. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, ADAPT started here with the, with the transportation. Okay. And it was, it, was, it was very much, you know, following after Rosa Parks and, you know, the right to um, transportation is a fundamental civil right. And you, you have the same right to everybody else. What about your work with the Colorado, uh, the, the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition? Well, so, 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 yeah, I started with ADAPT, getting involved then, but I really wasn't involved. Well, then once I went to work, um, I used 1619B, and it worked well enough, and I had to advocate for myself a lot on it, but never got beyond my own issues. And then after I got laid off, I learned that I would never be eligible for 1619B again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, once, once you went from SSI to SSDI eligibility, you're, you're stuck. You can't right. earn any money. Right, because before, you, they're letting you... can earn money and still get your full SSDI check, mm-hmm. but you can't earn a real living. Um, Thank you. You, know, you. You can earn pennies, really. I mean, I, I get a healthy SSDI, so mm-hmm. I can't earn hardly anything or I lose my Medicaid. And so I 
and sort of digging around, like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I, I want to work still. Like, I, I don't want to stop working. I want to earn an income. I want to yeah. pay my taxes. All I need is my Medicaid, but I've got to keep my Medicaid. And at the time, they were working on the um, uh, on a Medicaid buy-in program out here. Yeah. And so I contacted the people at the Medicaid department that were heading up the project and got invited to the meetings and started attending the meetings. And I realized real quickly that they weren't going to cover personal care services. Mm -hmm. They had excluded that from the, they're only going to give state plan benefits, which is a very like health insurance type benefit. It okay. didn't include the long-term care services. And so I started reading up on things and under their agreement with the federal government, they had to provide personal care in the buy-in. And not only that, they had to provide it outside of people's homes. And Colorado didn't offer that. You had to get your services in your home. Okay. You couldn't get them at work. You couldn't get them on the job. You couldn't get them at a school, at a restaurant, in your neighbor's front lawn. You had to get all your services at your house. Wow. And so I became just a broken record wow. at every Medicaid meeting just quoting the, the, the federal regs. I had copies of the state with the letter that the Medicaid director had sent the, to the CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. That's great. That was an, an attestation saying we can, we will offer personal care, and we will offer it outside the home. And this was like four years prior, all about the buy-in, and they weren't doing it. Okay. Um, and so in doing that, mm -hmm. Julie Riskin, who's the executive director of the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition, right. she was on the, uh, it was called the Medicaid Infrastructure Grant that funded the buy-in work. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the many members of that, along with Don Russell from ADAPT and, and uh, you know, people from a lot of other organizations, um, you know, ARC chapters, um, children's organizations. Okay. Um, but Julie, at one point, asked me to join the board of CCDC. And I, I was like, you know, okay, okay, I can, I can handle a little bit more volunteer work, like no problem. And so I, I got on, on the board for CCDC about, oh, that would have been two years ago, I think, that I joined their board. And that kind of was the beginning of a very slippery slope in the, in the majority of my life involving advocacy. That's great. Um, it, it started being like every Medicaid meeting that had <laughs> lots of issues that didn't even involve me. I mean, mm. last year we had a huge fight over a, an assessment tool for children, and they were cutting uh -huh. through just slicing children's home health hours. Wow. Um, and ended up fighting that, and it, 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 that, that led me into legislative work. The CCDC is heavily involved with the legislature, and so I got sucked into working up some bills last session, All right. um, which led to a lot of good contacts, and so even this year, while I've been laid in bed, okay. well, I haven't been able to go and testify on bills, you know, lobby for bills. Mm -hmm. I've been very active on the computer, like I'm constantly okay. emailing, you know, legislators <laughs> saying, you know, you got to kill this bill, this is ridiculous, you need to support this bill, here's why it's good. 
Um, we don't have much time left, Josh, so we have to wrap up about five minutes, okay? Um, I just want to ask you a couple more questions, and then we'll have to wrap it up. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about your uh, website uh, that you're, you're designing? Are you still designing products for your website called Crippy Concepts? Crippy Concepts. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it's hard. You know, usernames are hard on the Internet. So, so my company is Cripple Concepts, so CrippleConcepts.com. And, yeah, I'm still doing products through there. Um, obviously, we'll have that light up. I haven't been keeping up very good with um, building stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I actually just recently sent an email out to my advocacy community saying, hey, when I get back up and around on my wheels again, I'm going to be cutting back on the advocacy because this all started with me wanting to be able to work, and now I do all advocacy and hardly any work. Mm -hmm. So I want to, like, do a little bit more work. I'm not getting out of the advocacy world, but I want to go back to what it really drives me, and that's, you know, building stuff. So what were the two things stuff. that, are you, are you, what items are you selling on your website right now? Or are you? So, currently what I have on there, um, and I think a couple of them actually say out of stock right now because I ran out. Um, I have a couple of key adapters um, cool. that are just things. Well, most of the things that I'm doing right now are things that I've needed that mm -hmm. nobody really made what I needed. I um, love the I, I love your joystick knobs. The, the key adapters that I have the joystick knobs. I actually just before I had all this happen, I've gone from making them one at a time to getting them set to do production run on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for if you have the website, you'll see in there build aluminum uh, joystick knobs. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and, and that was another one. The rubber knob kept falling off. Yeah. And the one day I was like, uh, I've got a CNC machine here in my garage. I'll just make myself a knob. Well, right. Mine always falls off. So I th I saw that. I'm like, I want one. Well, I'll have to send you one. Uh, when, when, when I get more built, I don't have any made right now. All right. Uh, so I have those. I have. I actually got a bunch of bags made up a couple of years ago because I can never find a good bag for the side of my chair. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I find different fanny packs. They were too wide or too short. Or, and so I found a company that actually made them in the USA. I'm, I'm a big made in the USA guy. So yeah. um, they made in the USA little side bags for chairs. Awesome. They're, they're technically a fanny pack, but they had me a fanny pack. That had <laughs> um, okay. The, the one that I'm working on now on, I, I have the design pretty well finalized on, is a um, uh, uh, USB charge port that you can just plug into the charge port on the side of a power chair. Okay. And, and actually just charge your cell phone or an iPad right off the, um, right off your charge port. That's and awesome. There are a couple companies that make those, but they want an absurd amount of money for them. They're like 100 Mm -hmm. And there, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand why, because the, I'm, I'm starting out with the electronics that they use to do the ones for a cigarette lighter in a car, mm -hmm. and just getting ones that are rated for 24 volts, which are a little bit of a challenge to mm -hmm. find, because um, most cars are you know, 12 volts, but the, the, you can actually find the electronics, and then I'm just having to rewire them to a... Uh, um, XLR adapter to go inside of the chair and the joystick and all your charge for this. Well, I think it's um, great. That, that's one that people seem to really be liking. That one and the joystick knobs are the ones that that's so all cool. my friends are like, hey, why don't you make me one yet? Are you going to make me one? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, I'm just behind. So what's the website? Yeah. So what is the website if they want to check it out? Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to see my advocacy rant videos, those are at creepyboy.com. 
Yeah, Jimmyboy.com. At what point did you become comfortable with using the word crippled to, uh, you know, describe yourself? I, I, I think that all goes back to being born with um, a disability. Awesome. Um, it, we always called it my kindy leg, and mm-hmm. my mom referred to me as her poor little crippled boy. Like, <laughs> very affectionately. Like, and, and my grandma hated it. It's terrible. I my grandma used to just yell, mm-hmm. don't call him that. He's not crippled. <laughs> and I, you know, of all the words to describe what I am, mm-hmm. I think crippled fits it the most. And the analogy I always make to people, because I, I, I really piss people off in meetings with the same, you know, stuff about being crippled. And I, I, I know that words can hurt, and, and I get that. Um, I mean, I'm a board member of the Arctic Colorado. I'm well aware that the R word is not a word we use. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the word cripple isn't derogatory. Yeah. And, I, and I always like to use the analogy, if, if you're a ship out in the middle of the ocean, and you make a distress call, would you rather say that you're on a crippled ship or on a disabled ship? <laughs> because the way that it's used, the way those two words are used in the greater context of not just talking about people, disabled means unable. It's sitting there floating at the mercy of the ocean. But a crippled ship might just have a broken engine that could limp it back to shore. Well, that's a good point. Very good point. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I, I just think of myself as a cripple. Like, I, to me, it's not a, an offensive term. It, it really sums up what I am. And I, I hear people use every other phrase in the book. I mean, there's handicap, and there's people that argue whether or not that goes back to begging with your hat. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. The name is definitely memorable. Uh, my friend Mark uh, Mark Spelling, who uh, runs Broaden Horizons, he initially called this company Gimp Gear, and he just yeah. rec- he just recently changed it though to Broaden Horizons because of complaints he was receiving. So. Oh really? Right. Yeah. I, I, I I've seen Gimp Gear on things, so that's mm-hmm. that's funny that he had enough complaints that he uh, went ahead and changed the name. Yeah, from newbies especially. So. Children have 
see some significant developmental disabilities, but they they just assume they can't make any decisions for themselves. In my experience with them, like a, I, it, it's it's one of more like very paternalistic organizations. But well, I, think I don't know. I, I, I I'm not one to to, to worry about what people call me. I, right. Well, I think it's interesting. I think your belief system regarding those words to show that everyone's totally different in the disability community, and you know, everyone's going to have a different opinion on the words that they like prescribed to them. And, and you know, you may think "crippled's" out of favor, but look at Josh Winkler likes the word. So, so and, mm-hmm. and, and I do think that there is a difference between people who have acquired a disability mm-hmm. and those who have been born with a disability. Oh, I, very much so. My favorite episodes of South Park ever is "Crazy Cripples." Mm-hmm. Um, what that is the entire episode is like this debate about whether or not you're better off being born with a disability or acquire one. Yeah, well, and people who were born with disabilities seem to be much less offended by language, mm-hmm. and I think it's because they've heard it in good ways and bad ways. Mm-hmm. And people who have acquired a disability tend to be more focused on on that linguistic piece of it. What's that question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think just over time, you yeah, kind of learn to live and let live and be like, whatever, like, shrug it off. You know, call me what you want. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if it is derogatory. Call me what you want. Like, <laughs> Well, I hope, I want to thank you so much for, for spending, you know, some of your time with us today. I know that you're probably getting pretty bored over there, but I hope you get better soon and you get out of your chair in time for the beautiful Colorado summer. Yeah, hopefully you know, I'm, I'm saying my Memorial Day. That's my new goal is to be up for 15 minutes by Memorial Day. And maybe you can go, do you ever do four-wheel um, downhill mountain biking out there? No, I, I know a guy in Boulder, uh, a quad, who does. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. And strap him into the seat. And he has some triceps, though. He can transfer himself. And I, I want to do it. Me too. But at the same time, I kind of like the functionability that I have as a C5. <laughs> yeah, I as much as a C2. Yeah, I don't think I want to go up a level either. Yeah. So that's funny. And I can't imagine how much you get harassed in rehab if you go back and they're like, oh, I saw you get paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that being a good conversation. No. But, but I haven't done the downhill mountain bike, and it's, it's kind of a, mm-hmm. one of them like, bucket list things that eventually right. I'll probably do. But I'm, I'm, I'm less ballsy than I was when I was 17. Yeah, we all. Well, I want to say thanks again, and it was really great, you know, virtually meeting you or whatever over the phone. So. Yeah, great to actually hear your voice instead of totally. just seeing you know, a name on a Awesome, and I will talk to you soon, hopefully, okay? All right, thanks for having me. Bye.